We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. This morning, what I want to encourage us to do is to recapture the wonder. I've called this morning in wonder. The wonder in the way that we view God. When we look at God, do we treat him with awe and respect? Or have we become so familiar with him that we put him on the back burner? We ignore him a little bit. Life is tough, right? And it brings some pretty big things. Life can be overwhelming. And these troubles seem mammoth at times. The danger comes when your understanding of God's power is smaller than your understanding of the difficulties that you face. When you see God less than you see your difficulties, life will be hard. You'll be filled with anxiety, uncertainty, and dissatisfaction. And it might just be that we need to look at God in a fresh way. When I was growing up, I had some uh, friends who I spent a little bit of time with, and I just thought they were a normal family. But then as I grew a little bit older, I suddenly began to hear the name of their father spoken around the place a little bit. And I began to realize that this person was actually a really significant businessman in our town. And more than that, they were actually really quite well off. You wouldn't have thought, about it, thought it from going to their home or seeing how they lived, but they were really well off. And I began to see this person, not just because of his wealth, but also because of who he was, with a new light and a new way. And when he offered to uh, give me one of their old cars, I didn't say no. So... I think sometimes we need to come to God that way. We need to see him in a fresh way, in a new way. Not just as maybe our friend, but also as the almighty God that he is. It's time for us to stand before him in wonder, in wonder. Kids are good at expressing and experiencing wonder. When they discover the world, everything fills them with wonder. If you've seen a young kid have a piece of chocolate for the first time, then you know what I'm talking about. Those wide eyes, right? Like, whoa, what is this new experience? Or have you seen the way uh, really young kids are more excited uh, by the packaging of the toys than by the toys themselves? They marvel at swings. And there are these great YouTube videos that you can have a look at later of them running from their shadow. They look at their shadow and they're like, well, who's chasing me? They're excited by that. Or seeing rain for the first time. They just have this sense of wonder. Uh, my daughter is six and she still shows a little bit of this sense of wonder. Every time she sees my father, she says to him, Granddad, can you show me how you can detach your thumb?" My dad does this, this trick, I'm sure you've seen it, where he shows his thumb and then he, he separates it and she's just like, what's going on? I don't understand it. And so uh, one day we were driving down the road and she turned to me and she said, Dad, how does Granddad take his thumb off without there being any blood? Just couldn't understand it. And she had this real sense of wonder. She thinks she uses the word magic. I can't explain, I can't understand it, it's bigger than me, it's, it's magic. Kids are filled with wonder. But then, something happens. I don't know if TV is to blame, or it's the failure of, of people when people let them down, or whether it's just the natural development of the brain, but they begin to, be, uh, to become more interested in the plastic toys and the, than the packaging. 
They need a roller coaster instead of a swing. They need a whole chocolate cake instead of a piece of chocolate. Uh, they, they don't even notice their shadow. And the rain, they run away from it rather than run into it. I asked Hannah this week what she thought about Granddad's thumb, thumb trip. And she said, oh, yeah, I know how he does it. He does it like this. And so she had worked it out and figured it out with her mind, and it was still kind of funny, but no longer filled her with wonder. We all lose that sense of wonder in the world. This loss of wonder happens in a number of areas of our life, but it hurts us when this loss is in regards to our relationship with God. When we stop marveling at who God is, then we miss out on so much in our relationship with him and in all of our life. See, I think wonder happens when we find something that is novel or new or something that is consistently exciting. Many of us found that when we first came to God, didn't we? He saved us. He helped us. We understood the greatness of the grace of God. We understood what Jesus really did by dying on the cross, and it left us speechless. Now we just take it for granted. Add to that the comforts we experience in our modern life, and our need for God decreases, and our perception of Him diminishes. Most of us have enough money to live on. We have contents insurance. We have car insurance. We even have the vaccine if we want it. Either, uh, uh, either way, we have pretty good health coverage should something go wrong. Many of us own a home. We have two cars. The result is that we don't really need to trust in God's sovereignty on a daily basis. We've got sufficient buffers in place to shield us from most of the shocks of life. But then a disaster hits. And because we haven't been reliant on God, focused on his supremacy or on his character, then we find our faith is not strong. And the God we are worshipping is way too small. It's not, God is not big enough to help us with the circumstances because we haven't been caught in wonder. The issue is that we often box God in. Tozer says it this way, the church has surrendered her once lofty concept of God and has substituted it for something much less. Tozer says the issue is to do with our low concept of God. And this is largely due to the way that we treat God. At times, maybe more like our personal butler than the most high creator. Do you know a group of researchers had a, a look at the lyrics of 127 of today's worship songs, and they ranked the lyrics of each song on a, on a one to four scale with one representing lyrics that reinforce sort of a me and Jesus view of salvation and Christian living, and four representing kingdom gospel perspective with the broader understanding of what Christ is doing in the world, his redemptive work and our call to follow him and his mission of bringing peace to the world. So one me and Jesus for God's big plan. What do you think it stood? Of those 127 songs, 1.57 was the average of those songs. And now, now there's nothing wrong with those songs. They're really good. We need to draw close to God. We need to have a personal relationship with him. We need to see him as our close and personal friend. Absolutely true. But sometimes I wonder, maybe there's something more that we're missing. 
J.B. Phillips says, Many men and women today are living, often with a dissatisfaction or without any faith in God at all. It's not because they're particularly wicked or selfish, but because they have not found, sorry, found with their adult minds a God big enough to command the highest admiration and respect, and consequently their willing cooperation. We need to understand God's love, but we also need to see that God is so much bigger than we think. Stephen Curtis Chapman says it like this. He says, often when it comes to the grace of God, it's like I'm playing Game Boy when I'm standing in the middle of the Grand Canyon, eating candy sitting at a gourmet feast, waiting in a puddle when I could be swimming in the ocean. There's so much more of God that we can see. And we need to see it. We need to know it if we're going to face the, the issues of life. So today I want us to recapture the wonder. And we're going to turn in our Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up to Isaiah, chapter 40. Now this, this is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. Uh, and it is in this that is revealed a picture of the greatness and the power of God. And if you read your devotional notes this week, we just take some time going through a number of these verses considering God's greatness. And you can do that in complete detail this week, but we're going to touch on a few of these verses together. God is powerful. And by that we mean that he is able and that he is uh, ultimately the one who is greater than all others. Isaiah 40 verse 12 says this, Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth? Or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? See, God is bigger than you think. However big you think God is, your God is too small. The God that the Bible reveals is incomparable. He is grander, he is larger. Nothing in the world is awesome in comparison to God. I love this image of God being able to measure the sky between his thumb and little finger. It gives us the image of a God who is greater than everything else in creation, which is pretty big. We're going to watch a video and see just how big this is. Let's show that now. All right, whose mind just went cross-eyed a little bit? There are things greater than we can understand, and the scripture says he's measured off the heavens with his fingers. What conclusions can we draw from this? Well, for the Christian, it's clear something that's mind-blowingly big and mind-blowingly intricate could only have been created, created by someone who is mind-blowingly big and mind-blowingly intricate. A God who is mighty and awesome and powerful, a God who is transcendent. Next time you go somewhere away from the city, maybe it's Lake Tikapo, which is supposed to have some of the nicest, uh, cleanest uh, skies around, just do something for me. Just look up. Just keep looking up for, for 10 minutes. It'll blow you away. It'll give you vertigo. It'll make you realize your place in this world. This world is, is so big and so, so mighty. 
you'll see one of the best displays of the glory of God ever. And it is amazing. And, and Isaiah 40 goes on to talk more about it in verse 25 to 26. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? asks the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. This is a picture of our almighty creator. But he is more than the creator. He sustains the world. He's infinitely familiar with the massive, massive universe, and he never overlooks even a single star. When my daughter, who was only three at the time, looked at the sky, she said, wow, look at the stars. The moon is like a biscuit. And I wonder if that's how God sees it, that, that something that is so big is actually so small. And like her, maybe we should be lost in, in wonder about it all. God is creator of all we can see and all we can imagine. And he's also creator of all that we can't see. The universe is amazing in its bigness, right? What's even more amazing in its smallness. Take our body, for example. Our body is made of 100,000 billion cells. And each cell is made up of DNA, which has terabytes of information in it. But it gets smaller. Cells are made of atoms, about 100 billion of them. And how small is an atom? As an atom is to a golf, golf ball, so a golf ball is to the earth. Just think about that for a moment. That's what we're made up of. Yet atoms are actually huge in comparison to other particles. In fact, they're 99% made of empty space. The 1% of an atom that has something in it is made of neutrons, protons, and electrons. And these are made of smaller particles called quarks, which you would measure more in energy than you would in weight. And God made them all. He holds them all together. I don't know about you, but that makes me wonder at the greatness of God. Fills me with wonder that he knows every single quark in our body and every single quark. And he knows every single star in our galaxy from the very, very small to the very, very large. So that leads us to know that God is awesome and amazing. But how does that help us? What difference does that make in our life? Well, when I watched that video uh, earlier, that one, I read the comments. And you should never read the comments. right? If you want to enjoy something, just watch it. Never read the comments. But one person said, well, there it goes. We're just a teeny speck in the sky. How can anyone think we're here for a special reason? That is not what we see going on here. And that is not what the prophet Isaiah leads us to believe. Isaiah 40 verse 11 says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. This God who is awesome, this God who is great, this God who is mighty also cares. Knowing God's greatness, why would you ever complain, God doesn't care what happens to me? The same one who makes sure that no star is missing is the shepherd of our lives. It's not one or the other. We shouldn't abandon the idea that God is with us personally, that God is interested in us just because he is so great. This 
is prophetically even talking about the one who is the good shepherd, who will lead the 99 and find the one. Jesus, the shepherd of our souls. Isaiah tells us that God does care. Isaiah 40 verse 27. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Haven't you understood? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. Have you not heard, people? This same God who is everlasting is the God who cares about us. D.A. Carson says, The wrong inference from God's transcendence is that he is too great to care. The right one is that he is too great to fail. There is no point in which things get on top of him. Isn't that reassuring? Doesn't that bring a bit of peace to your heart today? That is why when we see God with wonder, it leads us to a place of faith. Our lives are brought into perspective. The way of faith, says Tom Wright, is always down the road of an enlarged view of God. Sky Jathani has a great diagram to show this in his book. What if Jesus was serious about prayer? And he shows that if we sometimes pray with our character, it's like a little hammer. But if we were to pray, taking hold of God's greatness and God's character, then it's a great big hammer. And that's what faith is. It's choosing to say, I'm going to use your hammer, God, not mine. And these verses should be like rocket fuel in our relationship with God. As the full picture is revealed, we're able to move closer and closer to God, have new levels of appreciation and respect, and a new desire to get to know him. That this amazing, mighty God would humble himself as a servant and would come and want to live with us, God with us. It's awesome. It's amazing. When you get the greatness of God, faith becomes not so much about trying hard to believe that God will do something good. It becomes about going with what God is already doing. Like a swimmer swimming with the current, you can go further and faster than if you swim against it. We must go with God's greatness. He cares for us. And he's there for us. Isaiah 49, verse, uh, sorry, 40, verse 29. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. You need a bit of that today? I sure do. Even youths will become weak and tired. Even young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. When we see God for who he is and trust him, we can come to the place of complete dependence upon him, not trusting ourselves any longer, but fully relying on God. Frog. That is what we see happening here. The version of verse 31 I heard as a kid said, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And when I heard that word wait, I thought it meant those who do nothing. Those who just sit and stop, right? That's kind of what the impression we get. Those who stop and, well, maybe something will happen. But I was looking up the meaning of that word this week, and I saw that that's not what the word means. Wait here means to have a confident hope. It means to lie in wait. Wait like you would as if it was someone's surprise party and they were on their way up the drive. 
That's what we are to do with God. Expectantly come to him and say, God, I know you're going to turn up. You always have, you always will. And I'm lying in wait for you to come and do something in me. Expectantly come to him and see his mightiness and see his power turn up in our lives and in our situations. And then it says we will renew our strength. This phrase means literally to change your strength. It means new strength, as one might change into fresh clothes or exchange an old thing for a new thing. When we see God for who he is and then we wait expectantly for him and we find our cloak of weariness is removed from us and it's replaced with the clothes of God's strength. At times to do the impossible and soar. At times to overcome weariness and run. At times just to make steady progress and to walk. So we come and wonder and we discover faith. But then the collision of wonder and faith, is worship. Is worship. When wonder and faith collide, there must be worship. As we see God for who he is and trust in him, we will be drawn into new wow moments with him. Moments where we don't just know about him in a philosophical way, but moments where we know him for ourselves and we lay ourselves before him. Leopold says, knowing God, being able to think about and increasingly understand and experience and interact with and delight in this being of inconceivable goodness is itself the greatest activity, the greatest relationship, the ultimate fulfillment of human existence. This morning, will you begin by reflecting on who he is? And come to him in wonder. And maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you don't know God. Will you come and will you say, God, show yourself to me. I want that fulfillment. I need that strength. Will you come and show yourself to me? Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.